up, guys? Welcome to the Strandcast. My name is Noah. I'm Jasmine. I'm Jen. We are here today talking about Star Wars. We are continuing our amazing debate series. Uh, in preparation for the new Star Wars film, we're going to have a debate about which episode of the canon trilogies, not Rogue One, not the extra movies, none of that. Um, which of those which of those eight trilogy movies are the best? So we got seven people here arguing for eight different films. <laughs> the math didn't work out. We're down a person. So I'm going to be arguing for four and eight. Who's arguing for one? We should go in order then. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah we should go in so order. So introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm Meg. I'm going to argue for the uh, Mantum Fennis. We're nice. going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why the first movie is uh, the best. I'm Jasmine. I'm going to be arguing for the Attack of the Clones, which is obviously the best. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm going to be arguing for uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is the campiest and therefore the best. My name's Noah. I'm going to be arguing for A New Hope. Um, it's the best because it's the first. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'll be arguing for Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, and obviously it is known the best. Uh, I'm Tom. I'm going to be arguing for Return of the Jedi. You thought they were gone, but they came back. <laughs> um, I'm Leo. I'm going to be arguing for The Force Awakens. And I'm Noah again, and I'm going to be <laughs> arguing for The Last Jedi. You didn't see it, but he changed hats yeah. halfway through and stuck on him. This is fresh. Noah wearing a new hat. Yes. <laughs> Shall um, we begin? For each debate, we're going to have two minutes for whoever's championing the episode to argue their points, and then only one minute of rebuttals. So we are gonna have some rapid fire disses. Hopefully keep every, like everyone screaming to a minimum. Yeah. Um, Star Wars fans are clearly very classy, cultured people. Yes, yeah. very much so. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have natural social boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we begin? Yeah, well I guess I'll begin arguing for the, uh, for the first film, The Phantom Menace. I'll say this is the only Star Wars film that I actually paid money to see, which is really, really sad, but here we are. Uh, okay, I'm going to divide my argument into three points. The first being uh, general cuteness, namely oh. baby Anakin's bowl cut. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the second point, uh, education. Uh, all of the, uh, the political scenes... You know, we really learn a lot about that. So I, I really appreciate George Lucas, you know, in the prequels, uh, taking some time to, you know, really inform his young viewers. And then number three, commercialism. Now, this one's, this one's a little controversial, but I think, you know, from a movie franchise perspective, the uh, pod racing scenes... A, paying homage to Ben-Hur, which I think really lends to its artistry, and uh, B, made a lot of money from Christmas presents uh, the following that. So, okay, my first one, Anakin's bowl cut. So cute. Could the kid act? Maybe not so much, but I feel like, you know, in the prequels, Anakin's inability to act really, really follows through. So there's some linear continuation. Uh, but he's so darn cute. Look at that little nose, his little blonde hair. It's so sandy and fun, you know. Uh, okay, well, my second point, the, the politics. Uh, and I'm going to add this in here too. The introduction of Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley. I think that 
you know, well, well, that's something to be said. <laughs> and the third point, commercialism. So look at all the cute little fun pod racing toys that, you know, kids from the 90s and continuing were able to get. And I think that's really great. Number one's the best. I'm done. <laughs> wow, that was perfect. Two minutes. There you are. I would like to argue against the introduction of Kira Knightley because you never actually know that it's Kira Knightley. Well, hang on. I think we should. We should. Uh, is there a minute of rebuttal now? Yeah. Oh, okay. I started it. I'm sorry. Get ready. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, this is true, but I think uh, in retrospect, uh, it's really fun to be able to look at Kira Knightley's IMDb page and say, <laughs> well, hang on a second. Uh, I didn't know she was part of the franchise. Can I just jump in here to move past Kira Knightley really quickly? Tidbit. Uh, first movie has the most fart jokes, yes. most racist accents. Well, fart jokes worst could be a plus. acting. No, we I don't also think failed so. Failed to mention Darth Maul's introduction, which is like the just best part. Amazing. Yeah. This is very true. The music, music, really good. Okay. Was, can, I, can, I, can I push back against trade negotiations? Yes. George Lucas <laughs> misinformed an entire generation as to the nuances of trade between <laughs> states, and for that reason, I think that's actually a negative. Well, also, all of your argument, you were just basically arguing that it is the worst, but it's actually kind of okay. So I think there stands the reason why it's bad. Not Everyone knows the, it's bad. The commercialism okay. part of it is not true, that the toys didn't actually sell well following the release of the movie, and they just had, toy, like, toy stores were giving it away on clearance for years afterwards. Generation, okay, I, I mean, I think that's really showing generosity, you know? There's something <laughs> really beautiful about that. <laughs> just have items that don't sell and give them away as it's charity. Give them away to children. It's, okay. it's nice though that no one rebutted the cuteness point. We all agree. We all oh, agree. Yeah. 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 His classmates amazing. And also oh, yeah. like little also, Natalie Portman. Oh, there is a part where Jar Jar Binks does call uh, Padme hot. Which I will say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is we're way over time for the. Rebuttals. But this is we're talking about. <laughs> we can edit it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we don't I know went how back. old Jar Jar is. He could be a teenager. Yeah, we don't know how old. <laughs> I would like to is. say that Natalie Portman was seventeen in that movie, and therefore it's more of a reflection he, on George Lucas. I did I go think. back, and we talked about this, and I rewatched the movie before. In the early mm -hmm. part of the movie, he refers to like a food as being hot. So I think but it no, might just be Gungan jargon. This is my jar jargon, if you will. Is that George, George Lucas would have had to have known that by saying like and she's pretty hot like could have been taken as yeah the calling us like sixteen year old okay hot. the I'm character gonna... is also fourteen and is hitting on a nine year old so That's there's true. also things to I'm gonna is call I'm gonna call a close an official close on the rebuttals okay. thank you Phantom Menace is too yeah. problematic for us to like we can have a whole spin off <laughs> series about all of us agreeing about how bad Phantom Menace is yeah okay, um, okay number two That's me. Um, I'm very upset because you took my structure and you just like you it's almost the same because my first point is hotness and aliveness <laughs> Everyone in number two is hot and alive Shall we recap Padme is hot and alive. She's the hottest you'll ever be. She's the craftiest you'll ever be super alive um, Obi-Wan has a mullet and it's the only person in the franchise who can pull off a mullet um, because he and Anakin trade mullets, and it gets real bad, you know. And number three, so that's why number three's out. Um, no, like, and then Anakin is actually peak hotness because he's got a nice, clean crew cut. You know, he's being kind of like bold, but not annoying, because like he was really annoying in number three. Let's just be real. 
And then Mace Windu is max hotness. Count Dooku is also kind of hot. <laughs> he's a bit of a dilf, let's yeah. say. Um, I don't want to say that Yoda's hot, but he's, he's doing stuff. So he's like active, you know? He's not like on his way out. So that's the first thing. Everyone's alive and everyone's hot. Mm-hmm. Number two is kind of the same, but it's about like backstory because Phantom Menace introduced all these like ideas like, ah, the Trade Federation, like all this random backstory. But then we get to see it like kind of contextualized. Number two, we're like, why does everyone love Padme as the queen? Like, oh, how does Naboo work? And then there's also like, and then Anakin learns a little bit about what democracy is. And he's like, I don't fucking understand that. And then (laughs) Padme's like, hold up there, son. And that like builds up a little bit of like why we understand why he wants to like take over the universe. And that's also why they fall in love. Yeah. Yeah, that's how like those political Don't talks those deep talks bring them together in bed and then like you know <laughs> that backstory kind of also helps with like anakin like he finally like we understand what the sand people are about which is like chaos and misery <laughs> which totally builds his character and then the third thing is just like pure action the gladiator scene is amazing yeah. like all the the creatures that come and attack the three in the ring are like perfectly matched okay that's the end that's two I, minutes i would our minute of rebuttals starts now. I would like to say the only reason that Padme is at her most hot is because she dies without looking any different. Also, there and are still rat tails in this movie. Yeah, so this you can, very true. cannot very argue true. for the haircuts yes, in this yes, movie. Yes, this yes. is so, braided. So, no. one, Anakin yes. has a rat tail. Two, yes. Anakin commits genocide. That should just throw this movie out entirely. Well, no, the, the well, same people still exist. Been, they don't. They don't yeah. all die. He, he just killed kills a clan. A, a clan, yeah. yeah. A small amount of ethnic cleansing is still ethnic cleansing. Well, he yeah. also killed people in number three, and it was the the, the younglings. The we'll younglings. get to that later. Also, yeah. the, we'll the, the dialogue in this movie doesn't do anything. This deep conversations that Padme and Anakin say. You, they, they, it, they, it they did don't. something for me. I'm gonna tell you. It did something for me. There is zero chemistry. There is. Can we say? There's no. He said. zero chemistry. I will also say. He has that whole sand is so. Yeah. No Get I will say Attack of the Clones has the worst scoring out of any Star Wars movies as well. Mm. No memory. Specifically because no of the, the, the romance. Okay, but then mm. the, the clones are uh, like something that helps it get back on track. <laughs> also, right? you the, didn't mention that the clones are hot, so I'm going to take off points for that. <laughs> okay, and that's the end Jango of the rebuttal. <laughs> Jango Fett's also hot. We yeah, can, we can say Jango that Fett's he's hot. actually a dilf because he actually has like a little sun guy. Okay, well, on that note. Time for number three. Right. <laughs> so, God. so I am going to be fighting for Revenge of the Sith. That is number three. Um, so in fighting for this movie, before I get to my points, I will say three does not come without flaws, and I'm aware of that, such as the um, as the performances uh, between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, as well as maybe some of the questionable dialogue. But I will also argue that those same flaws are also some of the reasons that it is the best. The bad performances are very much balanced out by the great performances, um, namely by Ewan McGregor, Sam Jackson, Frank Oz, and Ian McDermott. Um, so Ewan McGregor is a beautiful man. <laughs> so Ewan McGregor is a beautiful man and also a great actor. Um, so Even though maybe McGregor? he has McGregor, <laughs> McGregor, I know his name. I've seen Train Spotting. McGregor, McGregor. Um, and so uh, he's a beautiful man. He's a great actor. Even though he has questionable dialogue, he says it with strength. Um, Sam Jackson is doing a great Sam Jackson, um, which makes any movie better. Uh, but that's for a different debate. And then I will say Ian McDermott is at his most campiest, which also uh, is the most fun. And if Star Wars lacks camp, it lacks fifty percent of its purpose. 
which is what I will say. And then I will also say that Revenge of the Sith has the best one-on-one uh, -on -one battle sequences. So mm. if you look at like... I would disagree coming from the 8th. But, but no, 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 one on one battle sequences. <clears throat> I mean, which Kylo we'll get to that. Ren. We'll get to that later. You're, you're taking so much time. Um, I will say that it opens up with Anakin versus Count Dooku, which features some of the best uh, swordery. If I will say that, that's a word. Sword play. Sword. Uh, sword yeah, use. Sword play. Sword. We want erasure going. Uh, uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, sword so. use. Uh, the next fight is Obi Wan versus General Grievous, which I have yet to see. Um, a multi-armed, multi-sabered fight since. Uh, you then have Mace Windu versus Palpatine and Anakin, uh, which is the most Sam Jackson you get in any Star Wars movie. Uh, and Sam Jackson uh, makes anything better. Uh, and then you have Yoda versus Palpatine, and then you have uh, Anakin versus Obi-Wan. And time's out. <laughs> On a sea of lava. Honestly, a lot. Okay, yes. first thing. Okay, we're opening the rebuttals now. Okay, first thing, can I just say, I didn't yes. know that uh, you had a type of friendship with Samuel L. Jackson to disrespect him and call him Sam Jackson, so... I mean, it was for sake of time. Sake I think, time. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> that requires some degree of examination. No, sake of time. And uh, I would like to say that in uh, Phantom Menace, you get to see... Um, Darth Maul really just slice Qui-Gon didn't have, which I think is pretty cool. I, I would say that that Yes, parallels. but that was one fight, whereas Revenge of the Sith has multiple. I also can't help but notice that you forgot to mention Boga, the giant lizard that Obi-Wan rides yeah, as he's fighting oh, Darth Maul, who is notable but in that he's the, the only lizard character in the entire The only reason movie. I didn't mention Boga is because I don't think he got what he deserved in the end. I don't think we saw enough Boga. I think he fell into that water and then we saw him again. Well, there, there are other movies with more lizard characters. Mm. Yes, but I'm only talking about Revenge of the Sith. We don't want to fuck lizards, so we want to ride them. <laughs> and we want to fuck Obi-Wan. Is that... Yeah, well, just you and McGregor, I think. Oh, do we... No one was talking about yeah, fucking... Yeah, well, I didn't really pull that, that one out of my The rebuttals are closed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, my turn. Um, I will be arguing for the fourth movie. Um... I believe it's the best just because it has the most iconic moments. These are not the droids you're looking for. The death of Obi-Wan. Um, uh, just the whole helmet over the face thing that no one really understands. Um, uh, the Han Solo shot first. So many extremely iconic moments. Um, it's campy, but it's also incredibly historically significant. Um, it was the only Star Wars nominated for Best Picture, and it lost to a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> so, my movie's basically on the right side of history here. Um, I, when my father saw this movie, he went back the next day to see it again. I know that doesn't really help the case for the movie, but I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kelly going back to the yeah. movies. Um, it, it was the first movie of its kind to have such, a like, amazing CGI and you go back and look at it and I feel like the CGI holds up more than the first movie does than the Phantom Menace does because you expect it to be bad it was the 70s versus the first was was made in 1999 and it looks like garbage like Jar Jar Binks looks terrible the wrinkles on his face look like a scrotum no offense Jar Jar um actually big offense but when you when you see the opening sequence, the opening firefight in space, you I am still feel, filled with a feeling of awe and like excitement, like a childish excitement of like, oh my god, this is happening for the first time ever. It's 
I don't know. It just it's it, there's so much electricity in that moment. It's a big moment in cinematic history, and I love it with all my heart. I'm gonna close early because I think that uh, that's a good place to end. What's uh, wrong with looking like a scrotum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also like. I wish we could talk about the Cantina theme song because oh, it's like that's yeah. like my it has, like my mind soundtrack. It yeah. is the best music of any Star Wars movie. I will opinion. also argue it was only nominated because it was the first. And then they were just like, oh, yes. it's going to be a series. We don't want to take that on from the Academy. Yeah, but also I think it's because it was the most historically significant. Like, Return the other the ones Willa. were expected. Well, well, that, that must be differently, but that might be a better movie. That's also, the great. entire plot is really just driven. Like, after the first, like, ten minutes, the plot is just driven by the Death Star. Yeah. And they don't really develop any characters. Mm. They're just, like, they just introduce somebody, and then they're just along for this ride until the Death Star is destroyed. Yeah. I'm also gonna say that Obi-Wan's death was extremely, uh, just, it didn't do anything for me. And I love that character. <laughs> it didn't do anything. And that fight is, you know, you might be filled with nostalgia for that fight, but it's really awkward and slow. They yeah, move, they move like, it, four times in eight minutes. They do. Also, so it's, it's a bad battle. Yeah, there's a way too long of a pause before Vader actually hits Obi-Wan. Like, right. Obi-Wan basically goes like this. Hands up. And then he goes. Yeah. Well, yeah. You could argue okay. for suspense. That's, yeah, true. Uh, oh. I, I'm gonna, that's where the rebuttals will be closed. We're going to move on to the fifth movie, who is... Me. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Empire Strikes Back is obviously the best Star Wars film. It has the most solid plot. It does actual character development. And the entire film isn't just like after one goal so you get to watch the characters on Hoth originally and see like where the group dynamic is now following the uh, uh, episode four and then you get to watch the, the 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 group split Luke going on his own journey we get introduced to Yoda when he's at his most weird and strange like in comparison to the prequels Yoda is just a complete like psychopath in episode five he's just hitting luke with a stick half the time it's amazing um and then we watch like han and leia like have their like romance thing and they're just being chased by uh darth vader and the bounty hunters the whole time which causes a lot of suspense and then it like leaves off on a cliffhanger and to take away what noah said about episode four this has the most iconic lines. Like, it has... I love it, you, I know. I, I know, you. yeah, it has, I love you, I know, and it has, Don't no, me. I am your father. Like, pro moves, wonderful, and yeah, I don't know what else I had going for that, but it's pretty solid. I'm all, I'm, I'm cutting early. We have more time for rebuttal. Ooh. Okay, we now have a minute and a half for rebuttal. Eric, have you ever said I love you to someone and have them respond <laughs> with, I know? Yes. It no. doesn't feel good. It's not a good feeling. Well, yeah, that person just got frozen in carbonite, so okay. Yeah, I'll get Le- over Leia it. had to live with that feeling for three years. It's the best. And that movie taught an entire generation ever. of people that that was an okay yeah. response. Yes. Yeah. You Can also we talk failed. about the problematic? Like, there are certain problematic tones to Han and uh, Leia's. He's a flawed character. Yeah. That makes yeah, him more interesting. He has more depth. Physical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke. Luke is the golden boy. Luke He's like the one that we're supposed twink. to actually love. <laughs> oh. You also failed to mention the best scene in that movie, which is the Hoth 
like um, ATAT <laughs> yeah, scene. No. Like, and also um, when Han Solo, or no, when Luke climbs into the stomach of yes. that weird monster the that he's the you don't actually That's see the it, best though. part of the yes. movie when he lives inside of this belly. Yeah, you don't see him in there. You see <laughs> him like, the, well, you don't see him climb in, you just see him inside yes. of it. Well, well, you actually, Han tucks in it. Yeah, <laughs> he tucks it to make you know what happened right after that, and it's perhaps the most controversial scene in all of Star Wars, the kiss. The incest. Oh yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is the incest that, element. That's it's just a it's just a it's a playful thing to get at Han and they don't know. It's not like they were like yeah, But now we know. Yeah. Yeah, we but then they know. knew too. Yeah, they were assuming he had a plan. He knew when he made that kiss. Yeah. That we were gonna find out later that mm-hmm. there's a, but we'll get to that in mind. He, yeah, you're right. He she should have kissed. She should have kissed Chewie. But we can't. <laughs> we can't right the wrongs of George Lucas. And that's the end of the rebuttal. On to number six. Okay, so I'm here for Return of the Jedi. Uh, three main things. So first of all, Return of the Jedi has all of the bit characters that we've come to know and love. Those characters who you know really flesh out the universe. So you know, in four and five, we start to meet Luke, we meet Han, we meet Chewie, we meet Leia. By the time six rolls around, we're kind of bored of them, right? So we need a couple, a couple, you know, new characters to add some, to add some zest. And Return of the Jedi it brings those. So first of all, it brings Nia Numb, who's the weird alien creature on the Millennium Falcon with Lando when they go into the Death Star. Now that's a weird guy. And you know, you're watching the movie and you're like, huh, I want to know more about this guy. And you don't get it in the movie, but you know, you're happy, you're happy that you've been introduced to him. And that's, that's pretty cool. He comes back in seven and I liked it when he did that. Uh, the other one, as my, my personal favorite, is Salacious Crumb, who, you know, we were talking about wizards earlier. He's the weird monkey wizard creature in Jabba's Palace who does, like, the weird, like, cackle a bunch of times. And you see that guy, and you're like, ah, oh, he has a story. We don't know it, but we know it's there somewhere. And, you know, when they want to make another movie later on down the line, when they've run out of characters, you know, we'll get the Salacious Crumb story. And that's not possible with that Return of the Jedi. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, thinking about, you know, having a lot, this is my second point, probably from the first one. So Salacious Crumb laughs a lot, but you think about, you know, there are lots of moments in the earlier movies where, you know, a character says, like, a funny quip, and you're like, you know, you, the audience, are like, ha, huh, that's, that's kind of funny. But Return of the Jedi has the only moments in the entire series where characters actually laugh on screen. Yeah, so Salacious Crumb, you know, he laughs, and that gets into, the, gets into my next point, which is about laughter. So you have lots of moments in the other movies where, you know, characters make funny lines, but no one laughs at them. There's lots of laughter in Return of the Jedi. Good laughter, evil laughter, laughter of all kinds. And that's something that the other movies are really missing. My last point is that Return of the Jedi has the best scene in the entire series, which is the scene in the throne room between Luke the Emperor and Darth Vader. And there's nothing in any of the other movies that compares to that scene in terms of the like intensity and emotions going on. And so Return of the Jedi is the best movie because it has Nia Numb, it has Salacious Crumb, it has laughs, and it has a good intense throne room scene. You okay. easily missed all the best points there. Yeah, you know, that was nonsense. First off, Bikini Leia. Bikini Leia. Guys, don't just other salacious parts. That's, that's not The Snarlack pit exists, and yes. you just skipped over yeah, that. Yeah, because when I'm thinking about the scene in Jabba's palace, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm thinking about that cackling little monkey lizard. That's what I take out of that scene, and that is really what, good. The so, R2-D2 flip, jump, grab the lightsaber, and kill people? That's I, 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 stop me other good things. I, 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 I only have two minutes. Focus on the main Actual rebuttal? The remastered version of Episode Six is horrendous yep. because it, it has it adds a scene in Jabba's palace where there's this really horribly 
uh, CGI'd singer. Let's talk about the Max Rebo band. Un- un- I'm unreal. totally here. I will go to bat for the Max Rebo band. Uh. That's size size noodles. The uh. whole gang. Okay, no, so it's good. It's good. Okay, glad I rebut your point about new characters. That you glossed over the fact that all of the actual the characters we actually care about and like are introduced in movies four and five. You don't care about <laughs> like me and them. Yeah, just, <laughs> you didn't even know that name. For everyone listening at home, I did Google me and them during his talk and showed it to everyone on my laptop to make sure everyone knew who he was talking about because no one did. Yeah, no, just no one appreciates good film. And that's the end of the rebuttal. <laughs> Time for Leo. All right, I'd like to begin my argument by acknowledging that, yes, Force Awakens, Episode 7, it built on everything that came before it. And if I was just going to show someone one Star Wars movie, of course I'd show them A New Hope. But this is a sequel. It's supposed to build on what came before it. And uh, with that being said, I'd like to begin my three-point uh, discussion. So my first point is that this is... Star Wars is a movie that needs incredible tech technology, incredible CGI. And for 1977, that's what A New Hope was. But in the year 2019, it doesn't hold up. But uh, The Force Awakens, incredible technology. We finally have the technology available to make Star Wars exactly what it should be. Beautiful universe. I would just watch, look at stills from that. I could look at stills from that movie all day. Uh, next, so much better acting. The first Star Wars movie to actually have good actors in it. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go down and say that. Um, but John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are so much better than Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman were, or than Mark Hamill and uh, what's Carrie Fisher were. And I'm I'm sorry to their loyal and dedicated fans, but it's true. Um, lastly, The Force Awakens had nostalgia value. Like you know, when you go into that theater and you see uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher on the screen again, it means so much more to see them in Force Awakens than it did to see them in A New Hope even if the New Hope was more about them, even if it was better for their characters, getting to see these characters that we've loved, some people have loved for 30 years, getting to see those characters come back is such an incredible feeling that I think tops any, anything about their original performance in the first movie. I'd also like to mention that Force Awakens had better roles for women than any of the previous Star Wars movies. Um, the characters uh, all had better motivation, especially Kylo Ren. Who on earth knew what Darth Vader's motivation was in A New Hope? I sure didn't. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge that lots of us at this table during this discussion have brought up points that in favor of uh, my discussion. I believe Eric spoke about lack of character development in other Star Wars films, and Tom spoke about the terrible lightsaber battle in A New Hope. Finally, we get some incredible lightsaber fights in The Force Awakens, and then, of course, when Jen spoke about Obi-Wan's death meaning nothing compared to Han Solo's death, which meant everything. That is a close. Now we're opening the floor to rebuttals, and I'd like to start, because it is just the fourth movie a second time. Like, but done it's better. It's not a sequel. The fifth movie's a sequel. Well, and, yeah. and like the fourth movie, yeah, you have Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher together on screen, but you know who you don't have there? You know which fave didn't come back in 2019? That's Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. There was he's no Lando. Yeah, he's but he's coming. not in that movie. He's not in The Force Awakens. You know what movie has Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Billy D. Williams? The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. But also, <laughs> it has more Lando time, and it's better Lando time. Not to mention, you sounded like a like Disney exec explaining like we have more representation. We have it's not the best movie just because it does better things for society. I would, also, I, don't uh, I would also like to say that it introduces Kylo Ren, who is Star Wars's version of the sad boy aesthetic, and I don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> okay, and that's a close. 
Okay, time for episode eight, my favorite episode, the one that I picked to champion from the beginning. Um, I think this is the best movie because Mark Hamill, I know Leo said this for the last one, but in this movie, Mark Hamill actually acts. Like, he actually went to acting lessons and (laughs) delivers lines in an okay way. That's the first thing. Secondly, I personally think that this movie has the best battle scenes. Um... The, the salt flats scene, both with the weird, like, grounded racers and also uh, Kylo Ren fighting uh, Luke. But it's not Luke, it's a shadow of Luke or, like, the ghost of Luke. Um, I think it also dives the most deeply into kind of, like, the pseudo-spirituality of the Force more than any other movie. The whole thing of Yoda saying you have to move on, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing of like realizing that to this point the the bright side of the force has been really just like emotional suppression of the bad thoughts and in this movie there's a lot more emotional complexity to the good side of the force which is embodied through Rey she and Kylo are kind of like this beautiful um, back and forth of emotional complexity they're actually questioning like is there a good is there a bad the movie is full of anti-heroes everyone is flawed and that's amazing because you actually feel like some sort of emotional complexity also a big part of the movie is just saying eat the rich that whole scene on the on the military industrial complex planet with all the casino. rich people the casino um, <laughs> That's a great that's a great scene. The whole the chase and also the kid with the broom who has force powers. It's like it closes the movie by saying everyone everyone can be a part of the force unless you don't have enough metachlorians or whatever. <laughs> um, and also I got to mention Kylo Ren's hot bod. Okay, when and with that. When a man does his own moderating, he just lets himself go 10 um, 12 seconds over. I would like to say the only reason that Mark Hamill actually acts in this is cuz he's in it for longer than 7 seconds mm. as opposed to the Force Awakens. Also the casino, they do nothing oh. for the plot there. They they just literally just waste time watching Rose and and they just they just screw around and they free a bunch of whatever those things were and like also, an, an environmental statement. One, one, what was that? It's also I don't a capitalist know. statement, though it's made by Disney, so I'm kind of refuting that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would also like to say I feel like Finn and Rose weren't involved enough in like what is the more significant plotline, which I believe is yeah they, they is, do this whole false plotline, which is nonsense. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you know, Ray and Kylo, there's a great fight in the throne room. But you know what movie has an even better fight in the throne room? Return of the Jedi. I would, I would, I would argue that's not the case, because in the Return of the Jedi, do you have red guys? Yeah. Red guys? Yes, oh, yes. Palpatine's guys. <laughs> we don't have 12 of them. That's the main thing. If you panned out the camera, there would be 12 of them, probably. You walked around a little bit. Anyways, that's a close to the rebuttals. Thank you guys for listening to the Star Wars debate. This was kind of hectic and amazing. Thank <laughs> Just you everyone. Like the movie. Thank you everyone for coming and being a part of this. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. My name's Noah. I'm Jasmine. I'm Jen. And see, see you next time. Enjoy the movie. Ooh, Enjoy the or, movie. Or don't. It's true. fine. Yeah. It's fine if you don't. If you don't, just come on the podcast and tell us why you didn't like it. Oh, see ya. The end.